This is Roger Penske, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, sponsored by Penske Truck Rental. IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We want to congratulate IndyCar and Indianapolis Motor Speedway owner Roger Penske for another big accomplishment. On Sunday, November 5th, Team Penske driver Ryan Blaney won the NASCAR Cup Series Championship at Phoenix Raceway by finishing second to race winner Ross Chastain of Trackhouse. Blaney was the highest finishing driver out of NASCAR's Championship Four. It was the first time in Team Penske history that it has won the NASCAR Cup Series Championship in back-to-back seasons. Joey Logano won his second NASCAR Cup Series championship for Team Penske in 2022. It was also the team's fourth NASCAR Cup Series championship. Brad Keselowski won the team's first in 2012, and Logano won the first of his two in 2018. It is also only the second time in Team Penske history that it won the Indianapolis 500 and the NASCAR Cup Series championship in the same season. The first time that happened was in 2018 when Wellpower won the Indianapolis 500 and Logano won the NASCAR Cup Series championship. This year, Joseph Newgarden won the 107th Indianapolis 500 on May 28th, and Blaney is the new champion of the NASCAR Cup Series. With this latest championship, Team Penske has extended its record to 44 major auto racing championships since the team began as Penske Racing in 1966. That includes a record 19 wins in the Indianapolis 500. Pit Pass Indy would like to congratulate team owner Roger Penske, as well as everyone at Team Penske, the Penske Corporation, and Penske Truck Rental for this outstanding accomplishment. Our guest on today's Pit Pass Indy is also celebrating an outstanding accomplishment. It's Rob Buckner, the Chevrolet IndyCar Program Manager. Chevrolet won its eighth IndyCar Manufacturers Championship in the 2023 NTT IndyCar Series season. Chevrolet was the winning engine manufacturer at the 107th Indianapolis 500. Chevrolet-powered cars won five IndyCar races in 2023, while rival Honda had 12 race winners. But when Team Penske's Scott McLaughlin and Will Power and Junco's Hollinger Racing's Callum Eilat finished second, fourth, and fifth in the 2023 season finale at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, Chevrolet was able to clinch the title by 12 points. 
Buckner joined me just before the season concluded to talk about Chevrolet's accomplishments, the future development of the hybrid assist unit that is scheduled to be part of IndyCar in 2024, and NASCAR star Kyle Larson competing in the 108th Indianapolis 500 next May in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, is Rob Buckner, the program manager IndyCar for Chevrolet. Rob, we're nearing the end of the 2023 NTT IndyCar Series season, and from Chevrolet's point of view, what are some of the highs and what are some of the areas you want to work on in the future? The high point for sure, um, Indianapolis 500. That was a big one for all of us at Chevrolet. That event means a lot to us, really defines the entire year. The lows, I would say we've we've struggled all summer long at a lot of different racetracks. So a lot of work to do for street and road course uh, between us and our race teams. There's certainly a need for improvement there for us to, to be back to where we want to be. Um, just uh, no shortage of off-season opportunities, that's for sure. But when you look at your lineup, you're anchored by Team Penske, then you have Arrow McLaren, and you have a lot of other really good teams that carry the Chevy brand, whether it be A.J. Foyt Racing, whether it be Junco's Hollinger, some of the other uh, brands that represent you. How do you make all of those race teams work in conjunction with each other? Uh, I think that's an area that, that we're going to be looking to improve is how can we further complement each of those race teams um, all five of our full-time organizations really appreciate their partnership and cooperation. Very proud to power all of those organizations. And they're each in different different areas of um, where th where they need to be. We have teams that expect to be fighting for a championship, and we have teams that are, are trying to be in the leader circle and, and look for their future, how they fit into the, the paddock. And we really just try to find ways we can support each of them appropriately and looking forward to having all those organizations back in 2024. There's success collectively for Chevrolet, but when you break it down to each individual team, isn't it often a situation where maybe Honda's doing a better job because Chip Ganassi Racing is having a more successful season? Is there ever a situation where you can really break it down like that? Um, I look at, you know, if I look to 2022, where it was a great year for us on track, uh, is very similar to the year that our competitors have had this year. And so really for us, it's, if we have a better engine package and a better simulation package, it's going to lift the performance of all of our teams. Um, and kudos to our competitors and Chip Ganassi. They've done a really, really good job this year. They've raised the bar. Everyone keeps pushing forward and um, we'll, we need to take it to them better next year. That's for sure. Speaking of next year, it'll be a different package. It will be the current 2.2 liter turbocharged engine, but you're going to have a hybrid component to it. And how much is that really going to change the game? I think there's a lot to be learned there still with how the hybrid is going to impact competition. All of us that are working on that between ourselves, Honda and IndyCar, we're trying to make sure it's additive to the product we have, which is very exciting. I think IndyCar is the, the hardest series to be successful as a driver. It means a lot to us as a manufacturer, and of course the teams are all doing everything they can to perform better. Um, throughout this fall and preseason testing for next year, there's a lot to learn about how we're gonna use the hybrid, how the drivers are gonna interact with it, where you can find performance with it, how it's gonna change the show. It's a new era for the 2.2 liter, um, which we've gone through quite a few different iterations when you think of back the beginning 2012 and then aero kit, now we're on universal aero kit, now the hybrid. There's all these different phases, but it's our job to find success in each of them. And 
I'm confident in our people. Um, they always rise to the occasion. So I think with, with everyone on the team Chevy side, we have a bright future ahead in IndyCar. If you could just explain to the race fans who may not understand, they hear the term hybrid and they freak out, think it's all electric, mm. when it's really not all electric. It is a device that will help boost horsepower. It's not going to be top end the entire time using the hybrid, but how would you explain in layman's terms how the hybrid device operates? Uh, I would tell anyone to look towards the Corvette E-Ray implementation of, you know, you take a base car and you just add more power and you make it uh, a more visceral experience in every way. So we're still gonna be fast and loud. The engines are still gonna be, every bit is, is exciting. And, and for a live fan, there's going to be no reduction in noise. That is not what we're trying to do here. But um, electrifying vehicles is the direction that, that the world's heading. And, and we have to get in front of that as a series um, and, and really make sure that we're ready to be remain relevant. And part of that is what can you do with electrification uh, it's going to recover kinetic energy and then deploy it. So it's not like we're capturing that energy and taking it home with us. We're going to still put it down on the racetrack. So I think for everyone, that's going to be exciting. And is the kinetic energy derived from braking? Uh, it'll be, if you think of a lot of times a car's going 180, you hit a brake zone, basically all that energy is lost through um, brakes and aerodynamics. And then this is going to be a way of recovering some of that kinetic energy. So less less energy into the brake system recapture some of that, store it up, and then on corner exit, deploy it and get more performance out of the vehicle. Then how does that work at the Indianapolis 500 where you're basically wide open the whole way around? We have a lot of learning there to do. We, if you look at running in the race, you have to lift in traffic. So the engine duty cycle is not at 100% in race running. So that means there's an opportunity to harvest some energy there and then deploy it to be able to make the racing more exciting. and. Um, we're all trying to figure out ways to keep the passing numbers up, put more tools in the driver's hands uh, and, and more things for the as a manufacturer to, to learn and compete with as well. So uh, be exciting once we start turning laps at Indianapolis with the hybrid. So then how does all of that change race strategy? Because obviously with some electrification, it's going to change fuel mileage. Yeah, I think TBD on that. We haven't really gotten into race sims uh, and how that will look, but I think, you know, our our goal as an engine supplier and all of our race teams is really how, how can you make more power and burn less fuel? And I think the hybrid's just gonna be another knob there to continue to work on vehicle performance while lowering our fuel consumption. You recently had a test, Chevrolet and Honda each had a driver. You had Will Power, Honda had Scott Dixon. It was done at Sebring Raceway. It was very hot, very humid that day actually those two days, but what did you learn from that test? Uh, I think that was a great shakedown of the production intense system for the most part. So kudos to everyone involved. That was very uh, high mileage accrual over two days across those two cars. A lot of driver feedback, a lot of learnings for us. We're still in the prototype phase here. So I think the implementation, uh, how the drivers interact with it, all those things are going to continue to evolve, especially as we get more drivers behind the wheel there, uh, more teams. Later this year, we're, we're looking to add to our car count in the test program. So over the next 90 days, there's gonna be a lot of iterations and ideas on what that looks like. How do you apply the data that you accumulate at a track that you do not run at for uh, the way it's gonna handle during the season on tracks that you do run at? Uh, I almost feel like we race at Sebring because we all wear the place out testing. So I think Sebring's a pretty good benchmark for us. We've, we turn a lot of laps there each year place is very bumpy and violent on a race car. So it's great for uh, when you think of a drivetrain project, um, you know, whether it's 
input shafts, gearbox. There's so many different things that have been revised and bouncing it around Sebring for two days and hot, humid conditions was, was a huge learning for the entire program, uh, both us and our competitors. And I, I would consider it a successful test. We had a few bumps in the road and some learnings, but that's just how these programs work when it's first time on track with a set of hardware. Um, as soon as the season ends, we're going to keep going testing some more, and I'm confident that we'll be able to log a lot more miles and learn a lot more about it. When you're involved with a test, a two-manufacturer test for IndyCar, a lot of times you're working to keep what you have secret from what Honda has, and Honda tries to keep what they have secret from you. But in a cooperative test like that, how do you share data with the other manufacturer and IndyCar? It's been interesting working with Honda on a joint project like this, but um, big credit to everyone involved. It's been very productive. Everyone's been very professional. We all understand we need to get this done and implemented. Yeah, just nothing but but praise for the group there. It was a little awkward at first, but it's really between our technical partners at Ilmore, General Motors, and, and HPD. Um, that's a lot of really, really smart people that know how to go racing. So you put all of them together, little awkward at first, but eventually we all get used to, there's a few people wearing different shirts and we just get on with it. Another awkward moment came at the Indianapolis 500 when one of your teams, the driver, Stefan Wilson, had an injury and his replacement was Graham Rahal, who came from a Honda team uh, over at Dreyer and Reinbold, Cusick Motorsports. I know they had to change some of the coding over the radio that is said because basically they did not want any of the proprietary Chevrolet data to make its way over to Honda. So how much cloak and dagger uh, was involved in that? Um, we were jokingly calling Graham our Shivanda driver because you know that a few days later he's going to go back to where he came from. Um, so, you know, drivers come and go. We do things differently than our competitors. I, I think we've all had times where drivers change over and, you, you know, it's interesting to get their subjective feedback. But um, I think everyone handled that very professionally. We were all really looking out for the Indy 500 as an event because that was the safest option to do. Graham was ready to go. Um, and Trier and Reinbold, great partners of ours for a long time. Um, love working with Dennis, Chase, everyone over there. And I think I think Graham was surprised both manufacturers signed off on it. But um, sometimes there's something bigger than manufacturer alliances. And I think a driver injury and, and Stefan's situation was definitely that case where we maybe put our, our competitive thoughts on the back burner a little bit there, looked out for the event, what was best for the race team, and we were all mostly just worried about Stefan and his recovery. Now, going back to the hybrid uh, rollout, between now and next season, what will be done? Oh, a lot of testing, a lot of iterations. We're probably going to break some stuff and be surprised a few times. Uh, we're still pretty early on, but um, again, just a credit to the people involved because we've, we've got the right people and resources to get this done, and then it's just how... How much progress can we make over the next four or five months and be ready to go for St. Pete? So how tough will it be to meet the deadline? Uh, that's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. St. Pete always comes up quicker than you'd expect. And I don't, uh, I don't see that changing. So a lot to be done. And then you get into the holiday stretch. That's, that's difficult. Um, it's going to take a lot of hard work to get there, but I think we had a good test at Sebring. There's no reason to think it can't happen from where we are today. So we'll just keep pushing. And with the hybrid device, I've been told that they're, it's able to crank out all that extra horsepower and it's just the size of a bell housing. So how elaborate is that? Yeah, it's all inclusive to the bell housing. It's a really neat system that IndyCar has been working on because when you think of 
there are other hybrid race cars, but there are no other hybrid race cars that go into turn three at Indy at 240 miles per hour. So we're a pretty unique application, and this is a unique answer to electrifying an open wheel race car. Um, it'll be interesting to see it at different tracks and how, how it's manipulated by the teams and drivers. It's going to be a really exciting 2024. And every time IndyCar comes up with something new, either whether it be new bodywork or new stuff with the engine. Earlier, it was the aero screen. Now it's going to be the hybrid device. Sometimes it's a race against time to get the number of parts made in order to have everybody in the field have their parts. Do you foresee that as being a potential issue? We've been keeping that collectively in our minds. You know you have to have more than five of these things come early 2024. Um, so everyone's able to work those those timelines backwards, and we have a pretty good idea of, of what milestones we need to hit and when. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Hey, everybody. This is Joseph Newgarden, winner of the 107th Indianapolis 500, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Here is the second part of my interview with Team Chevy IndyCar Program Manager Rob Buckner for Pit Pass Indy. Have you learned anything from the mileage aspect of what to expect from your IMSA program? No, they're two very different applications. Comparing sports car to IndyCar is always difficult because sports car runs over 3,000 miles in one event, and uh, a lot of their world is structured around either 24 or 30-hour durabilities. We're looking, you know, we have the ability to 
run this for two hours and then you can either tear it down and inspect it or be able to repair it. So it's two very unique systems there. The LMDH cars are, are high voltage, a uh, bit different in how they store the energy. Um, but I think an IndyCar application called for a different solution than what worked for IMSA. IndyCar has really taken this project seriously. There has been a lot of secrecy to the way uh, some of the testing's been done, to the way a lot of the development's been done. You work closely with Jay Fry, Roger Penske, all of the senior management at Penske Entertainment and at IndyCar. How would you assess that the way that they have been in the way uh, getting this program off the ground and implementing it? Uh, I think we've, we have a long-standing relationship with Roger Penske. And of course, Team Penske means a lot to, to our program. And, and the one thing we know with Penske Corp is it's gonna be professional and it's gonna be correct. And so I think, you know, Roger's leadership's been instrumental over the last few years. You look at from just from the timing of his acquisition to COVID, um, all the things that have been a struggle since, since they've acquired the series. I don't view this situation uh, with hybrid production or hybrid implementation as insurmountable. I think IndyCar has um, great leadership. It's a series that we enjoy being in from that perspective. And, you know, Penske doesn't acquire things and and they fail. It, it's very unlikely to happen. So I think we're all leaning on Roger's experience and, and his leadership and we'll get there. We want IndyCar racing to be fast. We want it to be exciting. We also want it to be relevant. This is a step toward helping it be relevant with the passenger car industry. But you as an engineer involved in racing, where do you see motorsports in general heading into the, say, the next decade? Uh, that's an interesting one. I know internally we've, we've really started focusing on what can motorsports take to General Motors in terms of simulation tools and, and being more agile. Uh, powertrain solutions are... Another part of that, what can we learn about electrification? And it's really just a huge energy balance equation. So how can we manipulate that with a hybrid and feed that back to GM as well? Um, GM's fully committed to an all electric future on the production side and minimizing our emissions. So this sustainability push for motorsports is very important. And to your point, we do have to stay relevant as we move into the next decade here. And this is all part of that. But isn't it really, pretty far down the road before motorsports can be all electric in terms of making it operate the same way we see it operate now. It's just because of the sheer no amount of lithium that would be needed to run an Indianapolis 500. Yeah, if you look at the number of gallons of E85 burned in a three-hour Indy 500 event, that's equivalent to about a, a current 75,000-pound lithium-ion battery pack. So there's an energy density problem where fossil fuels are very, very good at what they do. Um, at the same time, you know, again, with Penske and their shell relationship, we have a fully sustainable, fully renewable fuel. So I, I do view internal combustion in motorsports as having a place for the foreseeable future. It's also every series is not going to become Formula E. Um, our fans love the sounds that our race cars make, and it's a big part of the show it'd probably be decades from now before we'd see an all all electric Indy 500, but we got to take that first step. Um, so it'll be exciting to, you know, 108th Indy 500, we'll have the first electrified Indy car. It's pretty exciting. And as far though, as when you look at just the sustainability factor, 
at least in the passenger car industry, with a hybrid compared to an electric. Electric doesn't burn any fossil fuel, but a hybrid minimizes the amount of fossil fuel that's burned. Isn't that still taking a positive step in the right direction for sustainability? I think it is, especially from a learnings perspective. But again, I, I keep comparing this thing to the Corvette E-Ray because that car was approached from a development standpoint for being all about performance and really not about a hybrid for fuel efficiency. And it's not a plug-in. And there's a lot of commonalities there between that vehicle platform and what we're doing in IndyCar, which is how can you use a hybrid for performance? There may be a fuel economy benefit, but race cars aren't judged off of their fuel economy for the most part um, when we're, we're racing at you know, 10 tenths effort. So what is the Rob Buckner story? How did you reach this level of your career where you're in charge of the entire IndyCar operation? Oh, uh, my GM story goes back a long time. I actually started working at a GM dealership when I was 14 years old, sweeping floors and changing oil. Where was uh, this at? In Bellevue, Ohio. So uh, a small GM dealership that was within distance of my parents' house that I could ride my four-wheeler there, uh, work there all through high school. Somebody had mentioned to me I should look at General Motors Institute if I wanted to be an engineer at GM. Uh, at that time, the school had been renamed Kettering instead of General Motors Institute, but it was GM engineering school. Uh, so I went to GMI or Kettering, whatever you want to call it, um, really just wanting to be an engineer at GM. And then once I was able to get into product development, someone asked me if I'd want to go do some race car engineering as a two-year assignment. And that was back in 2013. I'd done some IndyCar trackside support, uh, worked on our NASCAR engine development program, and then came back over here. So it's just been an incredible amount of opportunities, a lot of good luck, um, but it's been a lot of fun. But the first couple of years when you were in charge were some years where Honda was able to win the manufacturer's title. And I know that that had to be pretty bit of a self-motivating experience for you. Yeah, there's a certain level of motivation that comes from seeing your competitors celebrate especially when it becomes an annual tradition. So we were really excited to get the manufacturer championship back last year. Um, this year it's close, we'll see. I think, you know, we're not mathematically eliminated, but we're unlikely, but it's always good motivation for everyone in our program. We, we love to win um, Indy 500, Detroit manufacturers and drivers championship. Those are our biggest goals. The easiest way to win those championships is to win a majority of the races, which we have not done this year. Um, so that's gonna be our main focal point for next year is how can, we, how can we win more races? But when you think of all American brands, you think of the Indianapolis 500 on Memorial Day weekend and an all American brand like Chevrolet is the winner with an all American team like Team Penske. How special is that when you put all of that together collectively? Oh, it was pretty spectacular this year. Uh, really enjoyed. Joseph has wanted the Indy 500 for a very long time. And you look at what a master he is on ovals. It felt like it was a matter of time, but then, you know, we've struggled in Indianapolis. We went 0-3 there the last few years. So um, credit to everyone in the program. They dug really, really deep, and we had a, a, a good package at Indianapolis. Joseph did a great job. Um, now it just becomes all about how can we try to do that again in 24. And in 2024 at the Indianapolis 500, we get an all-American racer named Kyle Larson who's going to come over from NASCAR, who's going to run a Chevrolet for Aero McLaren with Hendrick Motorsports backing in the 108th Indianapolis 500. And just when you listen to all that, how excited do you get over that? Oh, I love it. Um, I I've worked with Hendrick, been fortunate enough to work with Hendrick Motorsports before. Jeff Andrews, massive respect for that organization. Um, really looking forward to this is like all of my favorite things coming together you know you get 
the superstar in Kyle Larson. You get Hendrick Motorsports, our great partners over at McLaren. Um, 1,100 miles in a day. I, I personally, just as a race fan, love it when someone does the double. So I think that it's been a few years, I think, since Kurt Busch did it. Um, so it's been five, six years by the time we get to next year. 2014. Oh, wow. Kurt Busch okay. did it. Wow. I didn't realize it'll it's be, 10, be years. 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So really excited for that. And I, I'm looking forward to We've ran him in the simulator. Uh, he's going to do his ROP this fall. Just can't wait to get him more involved. I think he's a once in a generation talent. Obviously, won a cup championship sitting in a Hendrick Chevy. Um, can't wait to see him in an IndyCar. But what about the fact that it's also going to include the most successful team owner in NASCAR history, Rick Hendrick, in his first Indianapolis 500? Yeah, that part of it's awesome. Um, just Hendrick Motorsports and their history with Chevrolet. I think they're they're so unique in that all Hendrick has ever raced is is a Chevy. Um, and that just means a lot to us that they would look to IndyCar and come join us for the Indy 500 with McLaren. I was super excited to see the livery with the 17, um, knowing what number 17 means to Hendrick and the Hendrick Cars logo on there. Um, can't wait. Some of my greatest friends in the motorsports industry are, are over at Hendrick Motorsports, so just can't wait to see them in May. And how about the convergence of Hendrick Motorsports, Chevrolet, and Zach Brown and Aero McLaren? Yeah, there's a lot of big players there. And, that you know, our new Charlotte Tech Center for GM Motorsports is almost on the Hendrick campus. And it just goes back to a three-decade-long relationship with Hendrick Motorsports that is phenomenal for all of us. So much success there. Um, the only thing is we know what the expectation is. So we need to have a big month of May with Larson. <laughs> Rob Buckner, Program Manager of IndyCar for Chevrolet. Congratulations on winning the 107th Indianapolis 500 with Joseph Newgarden at Team Penske. Good luck with the hybrid development that begins in the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time and always good to catch up. In other news, Raban Grosjean, nicknamed the Phoenix, is the new driver at Junco's Hollinger Racing. He joins Augustin Canapino of Argentina, who returns for his second season in 2024. Callum Eilat and Junco's Hollinger Racing have parted ways. Grosjean has spent 2022 and 2023 with Andretti Global. Prior to that, the 11-year Formula One veteran from France, via way of Switzerland, was an IndyCar rookie with Dale Coyne Racing with RWR in 2021. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We want to thank our guest, Chevrolet IndyCar Program Manager Rob Buckner, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. And once again, we want to congratulate Roger Penske, Team Penske, and our sponsor, Penske Truck Rental, for Ryan Blaney winning the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series Championship, the 44th overall national championship for Team Penske. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500.
This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the walls.